Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So glad to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got... Oh, you're looking for something specific. You're interested in maybe some short stories. Well, uh, let me take a look around here. We've got... Uh, ah, I see. Uh, let me open up this folder and... Oh, yes, pages upon pages of short stories. Uh... I have to tell you that these are the shortest of short horror stories. These are two-sentence horror stories and the subject of our latest episode. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Two-Sentence Horror Stories Season 3. Two-Sentence Horror Stories became an internet phenomenon. I'm not exactly sure when. It's been within the past 15 years or so. Uh, it became a thing on the internet. People would come up with a horror story and they were uh, confined to just writing it in two sentences. And really made for some interesting short horror stories and it was I was really quite surprised when I first stumbled upon this on the internet many years ago that uh, it was it was interesting to see how much terror somebody could elicit from just a horror story comprised of a mere two sentences and Sometimes the horror was <laughs> not as good, uh, but then there were some that were quite shockingly terrifying. So I became a little obsessed at that time with with reading some of these these two sentence horror stories, looking up lists of them because you, you would find people that were compiling these two sentence horror stories, and like I said, some of them quite frightening. So I was really intrigued when I found out in 2019 that there was a TV series coming about on the CW based off the two sentence horror stories. So I couldn't wait to watch it. And it was really cool how they did this. It's from creator Vera Meow. She's the one that kind of spearheaded this series. And I like how they do it because in the beginning, they kind of set up the scenario. They give you the first sentence of the horror story. And then you see a 20-some minute long... Uh, yeah, the show's only like a half hour. So you get about 20 minutes of actual showtime. And you get to see an adaptation of this two-sentence horror story, or a story inspired by the two-sentence horror story. Because sometimes they don't translate literally. You don't get the exact story played out as the the written story goes. But I don't think you have to. I, I do like that sometimes they give you a quite literal interpretation of the two-sentence horror story, uh, but sometimes they give you something that feels inspired by the two-sentence horror story. So I, I like that one that sometimes you do get a little interpretation. Sometimes it's a little more ambiguous and you get to see, oh, okay, I, I, I get the connection. But they start out with the first sentence. You see that on the screen. You see the story play out. And 
as the end of the story happens, you see the final sentence and the kind of kicker of the story. The first sentence usually is the setup. The last line is usually the, the horror bit. And then you can kind of see how this story that you just watched play out, how it correlates, whether directly or indirectly, to the two-sentence horror story. Like I said, this all kicked off in... 2019, uh, we saw 2021, of course, uh, there was a break taken for COVID, as a, a lot of TV shows had to do. Uh, 2021 came out with season two, and then we just had season three hit, and that wrapped up here just uh, back on February 20, I think was the last episode, and I finally got caught up and watched it. Now, usually on something like this, where I'm doing a recap of a season that I, I never got to do the previous seasons. I'll do a little bit of a recap, but since this is an anthology and you really don't need to know what happened in the previous seasons, we're not going to do that. If you've watched it, then great. If you haven't, go back and watch those first two seasons. I have to tell you, I really loved season one. Actually, some of my favorite two-sentence horror stories were covered in that first season, and Little Monsters was a good one. Uh, some other ones really really well done and some of my favorite actual two sentence horror stories were covered in that first season season number two wasn't bad uh, don't get me wrong but it felt like in season two that they played into more social issues and political issues and it felt like social issues took a front seat to the actual horror and to me, it felt, season two, there was a lot of stories that felt kind of like I was being preached to. And and I don't want to watch horror to be preached to. I just want to watch horror to be scared. Now, this season three, uh, there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of preaching. And one of the things I do like about this show, don't get me wrong, is that Vera Meow and, and some of the writers, uh, especially on this third season that I've, I've watched and seen some interviews for, uh, they're really about inclusion. And, and I have made no bones about it. I think inclusion in horror is really important because, one, you get a lot of the same stories and the same people and when you don't include other voices and other characters and things like that. And with inclusion being put in, in priority, I think you just open the door to more stories and more ideas and more perspectives that you wouldn't normally get. So I'm all about that. Uh, this season, though, Inclusion felt uh, forced. It felt like there were checking boxes, which, uh, there again, it, it didn't take me out of any of the stories. It just, oh, okay, this is the one about this race. This is the one about this race. This is one about this. And it just, like I said, it felt like they were checking boxes, which felt a little, I, I don't know if pandering is the word, but... Like I said, it, it wasn't a deal breaker. It wasn't something that took away from my enjoyment of or, or lack of enjoyment of these stories. But like I said, it, it did come across a little forced. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, it's just kind of how I perceived it. But probably one of my favorite stories, and we're not going to go into too great a detail. If you haven't seen this, I do want you to watch it. If you have seen it, uh, you'll get my take on some of these. And and if you haven't seen it again, maybe you know my take on it might interest you if you hadn't thought about watching this series. Uh, the first episode in this called Crush was probably one of my favorite stories uh, because it was the it was the creepiest I think of all of them it starred Jacqueline Robbins as as Mabel and Joyce Robbins as 
as Jane to older women. Uh, they're probably in their late 70s, 80s, something like that. Uh, they're twins, and they play twins in this, and they're living in this home. They, they almost look like hoarders or, or pack rats, maybe is probably a better way to put it. But, uh, but they're in there, and they're constantly bickering and at each other's throats until a man comes into their world, a caretaker comes into their world, and they find out he's not what he seems, and, and they stop uh, going for each other's throats and start going for his throat. And it had probably some of the the creepiest moments. Of course, twins are always kind of creepy sometimes, especially identical twins. Sorry for any identical twins out there, but sometimes you can come across as a little creepy. Uh, we see the both of you there staring at us and... You look like clones of each other. Get some pod people vibes going. I'm just saying. No, seriously though. <laughs> but it, it really the the twin vibe added to the the bizarre nature of this. Uh, the claustrophobic nature of them winding through these hallways packed with things. Uh, the one character uh, keeps all of her dead rats and shoeboxes all lined up on the wall. It's just very odd and bizarre. And the end of it was probably one of the creepier aspects of it. It reminded me very much of a an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. It just kind of had that vibe about it that I really loved. Because some of the Tales from the Dark Side stuff was creepy and bizarre. Um, the next episode, Plant Life, was one that, you know, they, they were trying to, to create a message about simplifying your life, not being so caught up in technology, and it, it one, seemed a little heavy-handed. You've got these two characters, Christian and Ben. They're a couple, and Christian's all about tech. And Ben just wants him to stop paying attention to his phone and pay attention to him. There's a lot of metaphor in this. And there's a lot of relation to what we go on in in, in the real world, in our own personal lives with people being consumed by technology and, and always have their phone in their hand with their nose buried in it. But Christian finds out that, uh, <laughs> that nature will have its day. I don't know. This this one was kind of confusing as to what they were trying to say. I think maybe they were trying to say too many things and it just kind of got a little muddled. There's a, a mysterious plant that is going to force Christian into a life that is more nature-centric. It kind of had little shop of horrors, feed me, see more vibes to it. Uh, there again, like I said, it wasn't a bad episode. It wasn't a bad story. Uh, it did feel very muddled in in everything it was trying to say. The third episode in this season, Toxic, was one that I, I, th- I think I wanted to like it more. I think it had a lot of potential. These friends are all going off to have one last camping trip because their one friend is getting out of this, this rundown town and he's going off to college and they're used to playing pranks on him. So there, there's definitely a message of toxic friendships, uh, playing pranks and, and putting them on social media, that sort of thing, uh, treating people like crap and, and, and broadcasting it for God and everyone to see. Uh, but they're in this woods where it's kind of implied that creepy things happen, and they all happen very quick. And it's, I, I don't know, it, I think 
this is a good would have been a good story if it had a little more time to flesh out some of the ideas of it. It did kind of have some Evil Dead vibes to it, which was kind of creepy and some quasi scary moments, but nothing too terribly horrifying. Tea Time was a was a pretty spooky episode because it uh, one of the tropes of horror that always creeps me out are creepy dolls and little kids. Two tropes of horror that always creep me out. Creepy dolls and little kids uh, will get me every time, but you've got a babysitter who's uh, put into the situation where she's babysitting uh, this creepy kid who has creepy dolls, and creepy things ensue, and we realize that there's something about this kid that is even worse than we we thought when when we see the parents at the beginning who are are trying to get away uh it, it tried to be scarier than it really was bits where the lights go out uh i think the doll stuff could have been creepier but it had an eerie vibe to it there was definitely a sense of eeriness and then the ending had kind of a a, a bit of a twist that you would really expect from this story uh, it wasn't a surprise, but it was a, it was a creepy story. And, and there again, I think if it had a little more time to flesh things out and kind of develop the tension, uh, I think this could have been a lot scarier than it really was. Episode five was probably another one of my my favorite episodes of this season because you've got Kara and Olivia. They're a, they're a lesbian couple. They're going to the country to get away from things. And they stop at this gas station looking for directions. And there's a bunch of good old boys there that uh, that seem friendly at first. And then all of a sudden, they're, uh, they're like, oh, we don't like your kind here. And the girls leave and they go off to the cab. And all of a sudden, these hillbillies show up. And they think it's because they're lesbians and they don't like lesbians. At least Kara's the one that thinks that, uh, you know, they're being harassed because they're lesbians. Olivia, she seems to know what's going on and why they're really being harassed. And when these uh, rednecks show up with dogs and, and probably guns, who knows what else, Olivia hides Carol away in the room, actually chokes her out, knocks her out, and, and she takes care of business. And then it's revealed to Kara that uh, Olivia has a secret and that the rednecks had a secret. And, well, hell... I'm going to spoil it right here. Uh, the rednecks are werewolves and Olivia is a vampire. And that's what they meant by we don't like your kind around here. Now, I, I, I like the fact that there was kind of like that double entendre. It was playing in the fact that some people uh, are still bothered by uh, homosexual couples and that, uh, you know, we don't like your kind around here. There's also racial uh, connotations to that as well. But I like how it was also a werewolves wouldn't like vampires in their territory. And there's kind of like that, like I said, that double entendre of what they meant by we don't like your kind here. Uh, that, I think, was probably one of the most well done representations of, of a social issue. Uh, being interwoven with the horror. Uh, they did that very well. It wasn't just a social issue just to make this about a social issue and the horror takes a back seat and it really doesn't make sense in the context of the horror. This uh, It was a, a social commentary that was interwoven well with the horror and I, I thought they probably, as far as you know, adding social commentary into the horror, I think this is the episode that did it the best. 
Episode 6 was The Killer Inside, where we see a, a young Arab doctor, uh, Shiraz. Uh, she's desperate to help her dying father, uh, who needs a uh, liver. And she's willing to do anything to, to get that liver. And we see uh, Kareem, who is uh, a possible liver donor, and things didn't work out by going through the proper medical channels. So she's taking things into her own hands, uh, but she's haunted by a dark figure that... Uh, there was a message here that I'm not even 100% sure they knew what they were trying to make. Uh, some message that they were trying to give about this dark figure taking her over, uh, becoming more uh, relevant as she, or, or more tangible, more physical, uh, the more she does things that sh she shouldn't be doing, uh, trying to take this liver by force. I suppose there's a, a metaphor there for further you go down the rabbit hole of doing evil, the harder it is to get back from it. Uh, I don't know. This was a story that I really wanted to like more than I did. Uh, I think there was a good potential for a story here. I, I think it needed a little more time to flesh things out or a little more focus on what they were trying to, what point they were trying to make or or better yet, don't even try to make a point. Just make something scary. And I just don't think the horror aspect of this was done well enough. It was an interesting story. The characters were interesting enough. I think they were spending too much time trying to make a point and not enough time worrying about whether it was scary or not. Now, episode seven, uh, again, another one of my favorite stories. Uh, this is a story I would like to see turned into a series in and of itself. It's this uh, Indian-American family. Uh, they own a motel. The, the episode is called Patel Motel Cartel. And this Indian family and the, all the characters, the family, there's a mother, father, a son, and, and daughter. And they're running this motel. And just all the characters are really interesting. The son, Krish, is kind of the lead character and his troubles. But you really, you really like this family right off the bat. You really like these characters. And what little you learn about them in the 20 minutes, you, you really like the interactions between the characters. And like I said, I would like to see a, a series out of these characters because I found them that interesting. But Krish is a, a young kid. He's about to turn 13, I believe. And he finds out that his family has a secret uh, amidst a dark entity, a person with not so good intentions comes around uh, and, and causes trouble. And well, Spoilers be damned. Uh, here's a bit of a spoiler. Uh, you find out that they are aliens and they are uh, a motel where they take in other aliens that have come to Earth and they're trying to uh, assimilate themselves into human society. It, it, it's such an interesting story, uh, an interesting idea. I, I like the idea. I want to see because you could do, uh, you know, uh, such great stories with this this family of aliens uh, that run a motel and bring in other aliens coming to Earth that are trying to pose as humans and adapt to human life. I think I think there's a lot of story there that would really be interesting, and I think this was an interesting story, and it wasn't. Scary by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of these stories, it's the CW, it's network television. They're not really scary horror stories. A lot of them are creepy. A lot of them are interesting and are horror in the 
sense that it's creatures and monsters and things of that nature. But this one was a was a story that it had those elements, but it had a lot of heart. It had a, it had characters you really cared about and you wanted to see more of. Episode number eight. Uh, I, I didn't really care for this episode. It was about a young Hawaiian woman, Leilani. Uh, she's trying to fight to protect her home uh, from property developers. Uh, her husband wants her to sign because uh, she's fighting to keep their home, but they're losing all their money and they're going to have nothing soon. It, it felt very much a uh, commentary on the white man taking indigenous people's lands and erasing her and her family and her history. But it just all was done very, in some regards, heavy handed, in other regards, nonsensical. Like she stops everything by putting a necklace in a time capsule that her daughter made, but then she tips it over and she gets erased anyway. There was just, I don't know, it just didn't really feel it. Was a story that had a lot of potential for horror, but they spent too much time worrying about the social ramifications and less time worrying about uh, whether the story made sense. Or, or even amping up the horror and putting the horror first in this horror story and not the social issues. Uh, it just didn't really land with me. Uh, Heirloom is another one, episode nine, where it, it had a lot of potential, but they spent more time with the white people are racist and we're always trying to keep black people down. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> not all white people are racist. Uh, I understand that, that there are some uh, white people who are racist. There's racism in every culture and every race. And there's always some level of racism. People that think that they're better than other people. But there's also a lot of people who aren't. And this one was, was tough because it had such an interesting story about this tree that needed blood to survive and I, I think there was a lot of horror there uh, to be tapped into but like I said they spent too much time painting the the one white person in as the racist and the bad guy and making it all about race and not about the horror that it, it really didn't land as scary it didn't land at all it was just a lot of finger pointing, which I, like I said, I wanted to like this one because I thought the actors in this, Romain Waite as dad, he he did a great job. Alicia Jackson as the, the daughter, Vivi, did a fantastic job. Uh, I really liked the cast of this. I just, I just think the story spent too much time focusing on finger pointing social issues than focusing on the story and the horror. And of course the season finale homecoming was, uh, wasn't one of my favorite stories, but this was probably like top of the next tier down. Uh, it wasn't one of my favorite stories, but I really liked this story a lot. Uh, it's about a young Latino man. He's coming home. His two estranged brothers are there. They're uh, there because their father's dying. And this this young Latino man, Axel, played by Andres Colantes, he is haunted by this creature that he thinks his father is summoning because his father has a history of alcoholism and abuse. And he feels it's his father that has manifested this creature from his books when it turns out that it's not his father that has done this. And it's just, it's a, 
an interesting look at abuse and family relations. And it really did play a lot on the horror. The creature design was really cool. I really liked the creature design. Uh, some of the some of the scares were legit scares. I, it wasn't just all jump scares. Uh, it actually had some scary moments and some eerie, creepy moments. The one brother gets attacked in the garage, and the little bit of a jump scare wasn't a holy jump scare, but they they really amped up the tension there. They did a lot of uh, good work with tension in this one and building tension and paying it off with with legit scares. Uh, so I really did like this one. Like I said, it wasn't my one of my favorites, but uh, but this was one that I really enjoyed a lot. And the acting I thought was was pretty good, and the characters I thought were really good. And the message of this episode didn't force the horror to take a backseat to get its point across. And that's what I think. Uh, you know, there was a lot of episodes in season two that were like that. There were a few in this one where it felt like the issues, the social issues, the metaphors that they're trying to make and you know, teach everybody lessons. It felt like that took over the driver's seat and that was what the episode was all about. The horror took a backseat to, to all the, the issues that they were trying to tackle in the stories. And you know what? If your show's called Two Sentence Horror Stories, the horror better take a front seat every time. The horror better be driving each episode. If you want to make uh, social commentary, that's fine. I, I think horror is a great way to do that. But just you got to be subtle. Not not necessarily subtle, but you got to be deft with it. I think Teeth was probably the one that took a social issue and wove it into the horror quite well and i think that's what made that episode so enjoyable and one of my favorites uh there are social issues about you know immigrants and things like that in the the patel motel cartel but they wove it in deftly and it wasn't hitting you over the head while you're trying to watch a horror story and be scared so i think this season definitely was uh a lot more hits than misses uh, but the the misses were really disappointing because I thought those stories were a good basis for something scary. I think they just missed the mark, but being a little too preachy. And that was a shame because there's some like Heirloom. I, I thought the acting was spectacular. I, I really liked the characters, but it just, you know, it was just too much. Like The Killer Inside, Episode 6, and Heirloom, Episode 9, I think I, I really liked the actors. I liked the story. I liked the base story. Uh, I just think the horror really didn't land because it was either one too muddled by trying to be a metaphor for something that it, it, I don't think it really knew what it wanted to be a metaphor for. And the other one spent too much time talking about social issues that the horror really kind of took a backseat to it. But all in all, uh, this is a good series that I enjoy. I enjoyed, I've enjoyed every season uh, so far. Like I said, two is probably my least favorite season, but season one was definitely really good. Uh, I did, for the most part, enjoy season three. Even the stories that I didn't really care for a whole lot were still interesting enough that I, I expected more and I wanted more out of them. And this is a series it's called horror stories you don't get a ton of horror uh in the sense of like real legitimate scares every once in a while you get some pretty good scares but uh it, it's tv horror but it's still enjoyable in that kind of tales from the dark side twilight zone kind of horror way you're not watching the exorcist 
but you are watching something that is really creepy and bizarre and odd and eerie at times. And yeah, every once in a while, you get some pretty good scares. And I enjoy this, se this series well enough that uh, I'm looking forward to season four if that should come out anytime soon. So if you get a chance to check it out, Two Sentence Horror Stories on the CW, it's now available on Netflix, which is where I actually watched it. So uh, go check it out there and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Uh, like I said, uh, each story is different and it's always kind of hit or miss as to whether uh, certain stories are going to land or not. But I think it's it's fun. It's always interesting to hear uh, different voices in horror and to see different stories. And you know, especially in this format where they're basing these off of those two sentence horror stories. If you've read any of those online, uh, it's always interesting to see how literal or how non-literal they take these two sentence horror stories and turn them into a, a 20 minute adaptation. And I quite enjoy that. So check it out if you get a chance. Two Sentence Horror Stories Season 3 is out. And you can check everything out that's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page. So do that. We're always adding uh, stories from various sites around the internet on horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. As well as posting the latest trailers for different movies and TV series that are coming out soon. So check all that out on Facebook. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast. One, we thank you for listening. But two, uh, please subscribe, download uh, share this. Uh, please add your thoughts and comments. Give us a review. Five stars will be awesome, but whatever review you give us, we certainly do appreciate it. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!